Okay, so a guy contacted us this week to let us know that we had underestimated the amount of time spent in a bathroom. <laughs> yeah, now, now what's, <laughs> what's, what's troubling to me about that is he took the time to calculate. <laughs> uh, if you're here, thanks for the laugh, and uh, I recommend you seeing a physician soon. Thank you for joining us for the one hour, leaving 167 hours in your week, and that's what we're here to talk about. We, we talked about this last week, and we're going to wrap it up today. It's just a two-week focus, but we're packing so much into these two weeks because we started last week by telling you that what happens out there in the 167 hours that you live your life in between the times that you're here on Sundays or watching online, if you're watching online for that one hour, what happens out there in the 167 is actually more important than what happens in here. Now that's a little bit of a, a thinking shift, but here's the deal. I know why you're here. You're here pretty much for the same reason that I'm here, that anybody goes to church. And I know I'm generalizing here, but it you're looking for purpose, meaning, hope, help. It's one of the things that drives people, both Christians and non-Christians. And if you're not a Christian or you're not quite sure or you're not quite sure what category you fit into, we're so glad you're here. Because just like us, all of us looking for purpose, meaning, direction in life. We're looking for hope, looking for help. And really what motivates us and drives us all deep down, I mean, you may not want to come out and say that, you know, because you want to at least project that you've got it all together. But honestly, that's why we're here. And I want you to know that even though you may be inspired in this one hour, and we want you to be inspired in this one hour, purpose, meaning, hope, and help is truly experienced and discovered in the one 167 hours out there. Or let me, let me say it like this. I want to begin by talking about the difference between being content to know about something and being determined to live it out. There's a difference, a vast difference between being content to just know about something and being driven and committed to actually living it out. For instance, it's one thing to know about the truth is a whole different deal to actually live out the truth. There's a difference between knowing about what it means to trust and follow Jesus and a whole different deal altogether to actually live it out, what it means to trust and follow Jesus. It's one thing to know about God and to know what it means to honor him and a whole different deal to actually live that out in your life. See, a lot of people are content, unfortunately, just to know about things. We're knowledge junkies and knowledge is important. Knowledge is especially important if you're interested in living out anything that you believe but a lot of people are content just to kind of know about things. And they come to churches 
like this and, and all over the area and all over the country and all over the world on a weekend. And the people that are content to know about it, they, they tend to think things like, oh, that was nice to know. That's so interesting. It's fascinating stuff. Good to know. Now, they have no intentions whatsoever of actually doing anything with, with what they've heard. And they leave with a good feeling. Oh, that felt good. I feel good. I feel encouraged. I, I just got that. I, I love, that's why I love going to church because it just makes me feel good. Helps me start my week out well. And there's nothing wrong with any of that. See, it's one thing to just know about, but a whole different deal to live it out knowing that this one hour on Sunday is not the finish line. It's the starting line. It's the starting point. It's not, the, it's not where you cross the line and you say, if I can just make it to Sunday, oh yeah, oh, I went to church, check that box, and I'm good to go. No. You see, this one hour on Sunday is not the finish line. It's the starting point. We worship God here, but truly, a life of worship is lived in the 167 hours. That's where worship really, really happens, is out there, not just in here. Or I could summarize it by saying this. The whole point of what I want you to take home with you today is for you and I to decide to live out what we know about. To live out what we know about. Because you're not going to live out what you know about. Why do you know it? What's the purpose of knowing it? Just to have a head full of knowledge is pretty useless if you're not going to do something with it. In fact, God actually tells us this in his word. Last week, we, we began by talking about something that James wrote in the first century. James, the brother of Jesus, who's the leader of the first church in the first century, writing that first letter of the New Testament, that predates all the other letters in the New Testament, writing that first letter to that first group of Christ followers in the first century. It was interesting, the things he said. Last week, we saw that he pointed out, listen, when it, when it comes to hearing the word of God, when it comes to hearing what God wants you to do, don't just hear it, do it. He takes it a little bit further in chapter two, and I want to show you this. He, he actually goes to the point where he says, if you don't live out what you know about, your faith is useless, it's pointless. And that's, that's what he's saying. Look at this. This is what James writes. So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Dead and useless. Now, let me explain. He is not advocating a performance-driven faith. However, he is challenging us with the truth that our faith must be lived out. It must be followed with action. He's not saying that if you don't live a certain way or look a certain way or do a certain thing, then you're not really a Christian, then you don't have faith. He's not saying that. In fact, his audience is the church. It's Christians. He is writing to a group of Christ followers. And he's saying to that group of Christ followers, he's saying, listen, here's the deal. You've got this faith. And if you don't actually put it into practice, if you don't live out what you know about, if you actually don't do something with what you know, then your faith is going to be 
dead and useless, not non-existent, just lifeless, stagnant. It's just kind of, just kind of be there. And it's not actually going to get anything done. It won't be growing because faith won't grow until you use it. Faith doesn't grow until you apply it. What you know about doesn't do you any good until you live it out. That's the point he's making. And that happens in the 167 hours between the hour that you're here on Sunday and the next hour that you're here on Sunday or watching online. Now, I, I know that many people here have very good intentions. Very good intentions. Now, I'm sure there's a few. You just show up just for the heck of being here and you, you have no intentions of actually doing anything with anything. You're here because you, you, know, you, you, got, you got bribed into it or you lost a bet or you're going to meet somebody hoping to find a date, you know, and maybe I can find a Jesus girl or a Jesus guy and it'll be better than the other ones I've dated. I, I don't know why you're here. Maybe some of you have other reasons. And if that's you, welcome. We're glad you're here. Come on back next week for the same reason. We don't mind. But I would say most of you are here with very good intentions. You have great intentions to learn and to know about things of God. And then your good intention is you want to do something with it. You want to do something about it. I believe most of you have very good intentions and not only do you want to, you mean to. You really do. You hope to. And some of you may go so far as to plan to. You're sitting there in your, in your seat and you're, and you're, or you're watching online and you're thinking, okay, so that means I need to do this and I need to you know, watch that and I need to make this a part of my life and I need to kind of step away from that, okay? So you want to, you mean to, you hope to, you plan to, and then life happens. You had this experience? Life happens to you. Monday happens. A lot of times Sunday gets kind of drowned out by what happens on Monday. You with me? What happens at home? What's going on at work? What's happening in your life financially? Maybe what's going on with your health or a problem that you're facing or a challenge that you're working through or a choice that you need to make and the worry and the fear and the anxiety and the confusion and the questions and it's exhausting. And have you ever gotten to the end of the week? And Sunday seemed like a year ago. Like how many times do your, your work weeks feel like years? You get to the end of the work week and you're like, what, what was it that we talked about on Sunday? What was it? I remember it being a positive thing. I remember something about it, mostly about it. But see, that's a common experience. You know why? Because life happens and we get bombarded. And we left Sunday. We left church. We turned off the computer with the best of intentions. I want to, I mean to, I hope to, I plan to. And then life happens and then what? Now we're discouraged. We're dealing with despair. 
We're defeated, we're confused, and we're weary of this cycle. Why can't I grow? My faith, why am not I finding myself closer to God? Why, why am I in the same place spiritually as I was a year ago, three years ago, five years ago, 10, 20 years ago? Why am I not going anywhere? It could be, it could be, that you're not actually living out what you know about. It could be that simple, that you have yet to put into action the things that you say you believe. And I'm not saying you don't believe them. I'm just saying, if you want to see what you believe make a difference in your life, you have to act on it. You actually have to put it into practice and live out what you know about. Actually, this is exactly what the Apostle Paul in the first century was saying to a group of Christ followers. He was addressing their good intentions. And this is what he said. He said, he, he, he's getting to a point where he tries to help them see that intentionality is more important than their good intentions. So isn't that the same thing? No, it's not the same thing. It's one thing for you to have good intentions. Intentionality is more than a want to, mean to, hope to, plan to. Intentionality is I'm doing it. And I am making it happen. I am rearranging my life. I am making changes. I am intentionally going to do this. Intentionality is the living out of good intentions. And Paul is writing to a group of Christians in that first century who, just like us, have 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They didn't have any more time than we have. You don't have any less time than they had. When it, when it comes to this 167 hours a week, we all have 167 hours a week. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365.25 days a year. So it's not really about how much time you have. This living out what you know about with intentionality is not about how much time you have. It's about how you spend your time and who you spend your time with. And so the Apostle Paul comes to this whole idea and he challenges a group of Christians in Ephesus and says, so be careful how you live with your 24, 7, 365. Be careful how you live. Well, we could stop right there. But he goes on, so we will too. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Don't live like a fool. Hey, anybody know anybody living like a fool? Hey, don't raise your hand. Try not to throw that elbow. <laughs> try not to. Try not. You ever live like a fool? I certainly have. He said, be careful. Don't live like a fool, but live like somebody who's wise. What's the difference between living like a fool and somebody who's wise? Well, he explains it. A wise person makes the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Now, here's what you need to know. You have the same opportunity anybody else has. You have 24 hours a day of opportunity, seven days a week of opportunity, 365 days a year of opportunity. You get no more or no less opportunity than anybody else. The difference between a fool and a wise person is how they spend their time and who they spend their time with and how they make the most of every opportunity that they have. And this is how you make the most of every opportunity. You ready? He goes on. 
Don't act thoughtlessly. But understand what the Lord wants you to do. Well, how do you know what the Lord wants you to do? Well, his word tells us. And that's, what, that's kind of what we do in this one hour every single week as we talk about what the Lord wants us to do, what God has for us, his plan, his purpose for our lives. But that plan and purpose is we talk about it here, we live it out out there, and you have to make the most of every opportunity thinking, what is, how does God want me to live this life? How does God want me to handle this moment? How does God want me to go through this day? What does the Lord want me to do? Understanding that will help you make the most of every opportunity. Be wise, not be foolish. That's why you must be careful how you live. You have to be careful how you live if you're going to live out what you know about. If you're actually going to do something with what you know. Now, the cool thing is, and I love this, there's all kinds of things that help us do this. God has not just said, this is how I want you to live, good luck. There's all kinds of tools, there's all kinds of things that God has given us that we can put into our lives to help motivate us to live out what we know about. Things to encourage us, things to help us take our next step, things to help us along the way. So I'm going to put a list up on the screen. And this is my list. You may have a different list. Now, a lot of the things on this list are going to be things that God has said in his word needs to be a part of my life and your life and all of our lives together if we really care about having a faith that is not stagnant and useless and pointless, but a faith that is growing and living out what it is we say we believe and know about. So here, here's the list. You might just want to take a picture of it. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. If you take a picture of it, here's why. It's, not because to do everything here just like I do it, but it'll, it'll help you understand the things in your life that God has put in your life to help you live out what you know about. I would say these, these two columns over here, this middle one and, and this one to your far left, this is like something that all of us are told in God's word needs to be a part of our life. This one on the far right, it's, it's more personal, and, and I'll, I'll tell you about it. Like, let's, let's start with church, okay? But it's a great tool, right? I mean, we're here. Let's start with where we are. We're here. We're watching online. This is the church experience, and we know that church is not a place. We talked about that last week, that church is actually a people. It, you know, it's, it's, it's an organism kind of thing, not just an organization. We, we talked about that last week. But this experience, this one hour is so very important to encouraging us to have a faith that is lived out. But there's other things. Did you know that rest plays a huge part? In you living out your faith in the 167 hours that God has given you in between the times that you're here, if you don't rest well, then you won't have the energy and the focus. We just think rest, you know, rest, you know, that, that's just kind of a waste of time. No, 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 no. God has given us that. The scriptures, the Bible, that's how we know what God wants us to do. God has given us his word as a tool. We have an opportunity for us to, to look into God's word and hear what God says to us and to learn how God wants us to live. Prayer, huge part of this. And I don't want to spend any more time on prayer because I'll come back to that before we're done here in a few minutes. Serving somebody, meeting a need in someone else's life. You know what that does? That helps you live out what you know about. Everybody, just about everybody would leave here going, yep, we should help people in need. I know that, I know that, I know that, but you really don't know it until you live it out. And then that helps you really know it. And then when you start serving others, then your faith begins to develop in that area of your life. Then you begin to grow closer to God and closer to people. It's an amazing thing what serving does. Groups, that's why I'm wearing this, this shirt, circle up. 
getting ready to do our, our groups again for a few weeks. Huge part of growing in your faith, of living out what you know about. We were meant to do this in community together. Back to the list, giving. How God wants us to honor him financially. Every time I write a check, every time I give financially, every time I give online, however you want to give, every time I give, my wife and I, Donna, you know what it does? It helps us live out what it is we believe. It helps us live out what we know about. Hmm. Music, it's a big part of my life. That's a big part of your life. You know, I believe music is the most powerful art that God created. God is an artistic God. God has created all different mediums of art, okay? But even more powerful than what I'm doing right now, the spoken word, I believe music is even more powerful. Music can be a great tool to encourage you in your faith, encourage you as you live out what it is you know about. I encourage you, get a good set of headphones. Enjoy your music. Podcasts, again, great. There's so many great podcasts out there. You're doing whatever you're doing, mowing the grass or taking a jog or, or whatever, you know? And you're listening to things that encourage your faith. Our app, our church app, do you know on our app, you can follow along with the message and take notes so that you can come back to it during the week. I love tools like that. There's, there's a Bible app. It's called YouVersion. If you don't, have not downloaded an app called YouVersion, it's free. YouVersion. So much resources just in that app alone. Over here to the right, this is a little bit more personal to me. I'm a big nature guy. Love to be outside. I feel closer to God when I'm outside. I feel closer to God when I'm outside than I'm when I'm in this room. It's just the way it is. I do. I got to get, you know, got to get around something green or get green on me or something dirty, muddy, smudgy, you know, something smelly. If I, if I can get, you know, I just want to be outside. You know, I just love being outside. You may be like that. You may be like, no, I feel like I'm in hell when I'm outside. <laughs> I'm an inside person. Inside toilets, inside everything. Inside, inside, inside. Roof over my head. Well, great. That's, that's Okay. Sometimes I just like to be quiet. I just like to be quiet. Others of you, quiet may be so deafening to you, you can hardly concentrate. You've got to have noise. That's fine. That may be you. I like being alone to think. Some of you, being alone drives you nuts. Being alone causes anxiety. You have to be around people. I'm around people a lot. See? But for some of you, you've got to be with a friend. Maybe, you see, whatever it is, whatever it is for you to help encourage you live out what you know about. But the greatest asset at our disposal, listen, get this. The greatest asset at our disposal to live, to help us live out what we know about is the presence and the power of God himself. His strength. And I want to leave you in this two-week focus, this two-week series, 167, with a very simple prayer that has helped me so very much. And in fact, it's so simple. When I put it up on the screen, you're going to be like, oh, I knew that. Oh, I do that. Oh, that's it? Really? Our pastor's really not all that impressive. That's okay. That's okay. 
Here's a simple prayer. And if you pray this prayer, and if you get into the habit of living out this prayer, this is something that gives you access to your greatest asset, which is the presence and power of God. When you learn to pray, God, help me. God, help me. Pretty simple, huh? Because if you think about what that means, God, help me. See, sometimes it's hard for us to pray this because we, we think we got it together. We like to think, I, I know what I'm doing. I, I, I pull myself up by my own bootstraps. I always figured it out. I'll figure it out again. No, it's, sometimes it's hard for us to surrender our will and admit we're in need and say, God, help me. It's the most common prayer I pray. Now, I understand that prayer is much bigger than asking and pleading for God to help you. I know prayer is much bigger than that, and there's all kinds of facets to the beauty of prayer and the power of prayer, but the prayer I pray more than any other prayer is God help me. Because see, you need to know this about me personally, and when I tell you this, you're going to be like, oh man, I'm so unimpressed, and that's okay, but I want you to know, I am the kind of guy that prayer does not come easy to. Prayer does not come easy to me. Um, not because I don't care, not because I don't want to, mean to, hope to, plan to, but it's just, it's just the kind of the way I'm wired. I, 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 I'm, you know, I'm an on-the-go kind of guy, and, and I used to hear people's stories of, you know, I spent three hours in prayer. And I go, really? <laughs> huh, okay, I need, to, I need to spend three hours in prayer. Or I'd hear somebody say, every morning I spend an hour on my knees. Huh, okay. So I tried it, didn't go too well. Matter of fact, God told me to stop. You get up, get up, get up, just get up. Because see, the reason is I fall asleep. <laughs> How spiritual is that? I fall asleep. Or squirrel, you know, I'm just like, wow. Because I'm just kind of all over the place. So to me, prayer in my life is more of a conversational thing. And this is just me, okay? You may be the kind of person that you're gonna say, I just love to sit in the presence of God. Okay, I don't know what that means, but if that works for you, that, you know, whatever, that, that's cool. But I, I'm a conversational prayer guy. So as I'm going through my day, not that I don't have moments of quiet and solitude where I am praying to God for things about things, I certainly do. Not for an hour at a time. It just doesn't work for me. Um, but I'm on the go kind of guy. So I'm often saying to God, God, help me. God, you got to help me. I'm going to this meeting and I don't know how this is going to go. I don't know how they're going to react. I don't know what the result is going to be, but God, you're going to have to help me. Help me, help me, help me. Or go, God, I've got a decision to make and I got to make this decision by five o'clock today and I'm not sure yet what the right decision is. God, you got to help me. Help me, help me, help me here. Or God, they're really upset and I don't know what to do to calm them down and I don't know, God, you gotta help me here. I'm going into a conversation. You ever go into a conversation and you know it could be tense? You're like, God, I don't know. God, help me, God, help me, God, help me. And you know what I have found? That God helps me. Pray, God, help me see. God, help me see what it is I need to see. I've learned to be specific. God, help me see what it is I need to see in this conversation. Help me to see what I need to see about myself. Help me to see what I need to see about this person. Help me to see what I need to see about this situation, about this problem. You fill in the blanks, God, help me see. And then when you pray, God, help me see, pay attention. Open your eyes, notice, pay attention. God, help me hear. See, it's simple. God, help me hear what it is I need to hear. Help me not to miss it. 
Help me to listen more than I talk in this conversation, in this meeting. God, help me, help me to hear what it is I need to hear that I am saying, that other people are saying. Help me to hear what's not being said, but is really being said here, what no one is really wanting to say, but it's obvious with body language. or You know what I'm talking about? Just, God, help me hear and then listen to God's word because he speaks through his word through wise people and wise counsel, through the leadership of God's spirit. Listen, listen, listen. God, help me see, help me hear, and help me do. And then do it. Can't tell you how many times I've prayed, God, help me, help me do this. God, I know, I know I need to. Help me to live out what I know about. Help me to actually do this. Because sometimes I chicken out. Sometimes I wimp out. Sometimes I just tap out, right? Oh, maybe later. Or oh, I wasn't feeling it, you know? It's as simple as God, help me do it. I know it, help me to do it. I know about it, help me to live it out. Why? <laughs> Why is this prayer so powerful? Because God actually helps us. God actually helps us see, hear, and do You may not think God is helping you because your circumstances haven't changed. I want to remind you something that we've talked about before. That God's primary work in this world is in you, not around you. Now, does God work around us in the circumstances around us? He most certainly does. But his primary focus is inside of us, not circumstantially around us. And I want to share with you in our closing moments... The, one of the most encouraging verses of Scripture in the New Testament to me. Paul writes to a group of Christ followers in Philippi, and he tells them, God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. God is working in you. That's where his primary focus is, not on changing all the stuff around you, even though he does sometimes, and he certainly cares about that too. But his primary focus is working in you to do what? To give you the desire to want to live out what you know about and the power to live out what you know about. And that pleases him. What he's really saying is, is that God gives you the want to and the can do. It's a work of God within us to give us the desire to want to live out what we know about and then the ability, the power to do it. So none of us have an excuse to not live out what we know about because God is working in us to do that very thing. So imagine, imagine, since we know God is working in us and he wants to give us the desire and the power. So we're free now to say, God help us because we know he wants to help us. He's told us, I want to help you do this. I want to give you the want to, and I want to give you the can do to pull it off, to live out what you know about. So God help me. Imagine the difference that makes in the choices you got coming up with your job, the choices you need to make financially, the choices, the decisions you need to make in your family or personally. Imagine the caution that gives you. You slow down a little bit and it will bring clarity and give you confidence to know that God is helping you see what it is you need to see. 
and hear what you need to hear and do what you need to do. Imagine as you face the challenges that you're facing, the difference this makes is you say, God, help me. God, help me live out what I know about as I am dealing with this pain, dealing with this problem, dealing with this challenge. God, help me. See what I need to see, hear what I need to hear, and do what I need to do as I face this difficulty in my life because God is working in you to give you the want to and the can do to pull it off. Imagine the difference it makes in your relationships to say, God, help me. God, help me see what I need to see in this relationship, hear what I need to hear, and do what I need to do. Imagine the difference that would make um, in a marriage, you know, at the point of attack, you know, when you're getting ready to have that argument. And she has, and you're about ready to go, and you stop and say, God, help me. <laughs> oh, you want God to help you? I'll tell you right now. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> Come on, man, it's so funny. Hey, parents, this is a huge parenting principle. Before you go into that bedroom and you know you got to have that talk with them again, God, you got to help me. Help me see what I'm missing here, God. What's really going on in their life? Help me to hear what she's not willing to say to me right now. Are you with me, parents? This is a lifeline. And God, help me do what I know I need to do in a way that is good and helpful this powerful principle for your friendships. Hey, if you're dating, then you need this. God, help me, help me, help me live out what I know about. God, help me see, hear, and do. Imagine how this simple prayer will help you live out what you know about. In the 167 hours that you leave here and the time that you get back. Because see, that's what will help you grow spiritually. That's what keeps your faith from being dead and lifeless and useless. That's what makes your faith grow spiritually. And you will discover purpose, meaning, hope, and help in the 167 hours that you thought, maybe before, I only get that if I go to church. I only get that if I'm here at church. Oh, no. We'll talk about it here. We'll prepare you for it here. We'll get ready for it here. But we live it out out there. That is my prayer and my encouragement for you. Just simply live out what you know about. And if you will live out what you know about, God will take you places you never dreamed he could take you. I want to pray for you. And I need to pray for me. Because we need this. Dear Father, we need you. Please help us see, hear, and do. Help us to decide to never be content just to know about what it means to follow you and to know what it is you want for our lives, but to actually live it out and make it happen. We don't want our faith to be dead, lifeless, useless, stagnant. We want it to be growing and vibrant. We want to draw closer to you. I believe this room is filled with people that want to be closer to you or at least are curious about what that might be like. And all begins with us being willing to trust you enough to live out what it is we are knowing about. For every Christian in this room, help them to make that decision. For every non-Christian in this room, help them to see this is the way it works. And may they begin by putting their trust in you as their savior and forgiver. 
begin taking those first steps of trusting and following you because of all that you have done for us. It just makes sense. Thank you for working in us and giving us the desire and the power to do what pleases and honors you. In Jesus' name, amen.